Praise the Lord, everybody. That's right. Jesus alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And um, say again. <laughs> well, I had a lot going on today, and it was all completed, and now I'm here, so I'm glad about that. I knew it was going to be tight. I knew there was a lot I had to work through today, and um, I worked through it, so I'm glad. We thank God for everything. Hallelujah. Amen. We, I just got off a um, um, Zoom meeting with um, our new neighbors. <laughs> Look at me saying it. I'm going ahead of it. Our new neighbors. So that, that's what that um, Zoom was. We, our attorneys and our testimonial guy connect us, got a Zoom call for us to meet the, um, the folks that lead the church next door to us. So we were able to meet them and just let them know what we're up to, what we're about, and what we're trying to do. They seem like wonderful, wonderful people, and they're Christian people. And so we thank God for them. And so our attorneys told them, I told you we've got um, Johnny Cochran in them. <laughs> our, our, our team told them, if you're not doing anything on the 14th, come on down. And if you need to say something, we'd love for you to come and say something. So we've got some really good uh, folks. And, you know, the church said to us, um, I was talking to the guy, and he said, you know what? You don't have to worry about it. Um, we broke the ground, and you're going to be fine. Um, said we took all the heavy lifting. We did all the heavy lifting for all of you guys um, because they really got a hard way to go. And um, some of it was cultural, they said, and our attorneys agree with that. And so they had a hard way to go, but they said once, you know, they worked through that, it was all good. Because after they got, after they received the youth variants, they needed 63 permits after that. And they got, got all 63 of them, all 63 to do work in the building where they are. So thank God for that. So met our new neighbors. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I do have something that I want to um, mention. Our prayer breakfast is this Saturday at 8 a.m. as usual. So we want you to come on out and be at our prayer breakfast. We start at 8 a.m. sharp. And uh, prayer is the key. As a matter of fact, talking to our neighbors um, they said they will be praying for us because they said that's what got them over the hump. They said, um, just like you have experienced miracles already, Wayne, we, we needed and we did experience miracles for us to be here. So he said, but it was prayer that was prayed. And so they are, and I just love what I heard from them. They, they sound like praying people. And so uh, I'm glad that we have them praying with us about this particular situation. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is, Brother Izzy, we talked about you last night on our uh, leadership meeting that we have every Wednesday. And what we talked about was how great of a job you have been doing in the parking lot. We are so thankful. We, we are so thankful that you, um, you accepted the, um, um, the responsibility to um, direct traffic in the morning. It has been very meaningful. Uh, we talked about how, you know, you're watching out because, you know, others are trying to park in the space now because of different things. 
that are going on, and you've kept an eye on that. You know, with the fire truck sometimes out, you've you know made sure everything is in order. And then the main thing is you have a great spirit and a wonderful smile always. And everybody appreciates you being out there. And we are thank God, we're thanking God for that. And we thank you, Brother Izzy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we're praying to get you some help that you don't have to be there all the time. I know you enjoy it, but you're a ranger. It, Brother Izzy served in the armed forces as a ranger. So, you know, I always talk to him about that. You know, he's not soft at all. Trust me. <laughs> Um, but we want to get him some help. So continue to pray that God will send us more help um, to um, help Brother Izzy. But we really appreciate you, Brother Izzy, and we thank you for serving in this church and the capacity in which you are serving because it's very needful. And I, I told him last night, I said, you really listen to what I said, um, that you know we have a tendency as people to decide what we think is important and what is not. And you listened to me when I said um, the parking attendant person is one of the most important person in the church because when people come, especially for the first time, that's the first person they see. And if that person is not nice and not smiling, that puts us behind the eight ball as for what to expect in our church service. And you make sure that if someone comes for the first time, if they meet you, they know, okay, uh, this this started off really good. And so that is major. That is major. Or someone comes in in the morning and they had a rough morning trying to get themselves together and they meet you in the parking lot and you're good morning. How are you? And just great spirit. That is a blessing. And I can't say how important that is. That can be the difference between somebody receiving from the Lord that day or not receiving. Because if they had a bad day and then they come in and you're mean to them, then they just come in just, just, you know, like whatever, going through the motions, right? And, and nothing happens when we're just going through the motions. But if they had a bad morning, a challenging morning, and you greet them and just lift them just for that moment, they might come in with a different uh, spirit and attitude, and the word of God and the praise and the worship will probably help them. And then the other brothers and sisters that they meet, they will feel better toward interacting with them. All because you made sure the atmosphere was set and you started them out the right way. So we appreciate you. Thank you, Brother Izzy. <laughs> That's right. First impressions are lasting impressions. Amen. So let's go before the Lord tonight and let's pray. We're going to thank him for all of his goodness and ask him to guide us and lead us. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your love. You are so good to us, Lord. We are so undeserving. We are undeserving, Lord, because we're not always faithful. We're not always obedient. We're not always submitted. We're not always worshipers. We're not always praying and seeking you. We're not always following our Christian disciplines, Lord. But you don't neglect us. You don't turn your back on us. You're still reaching for us. And we're grateful and we're thankful, Lord God, that you haven't forsaken us, that you have not given up on us, and you have continuously been good to us and have shown us mercy like never before. Oh, God, we love you and we worship you, oh, great God, for there is none else besides you. You are our king, oh, great God. You are our Lord, almighty God. And tonight we've come to hear from you. Tonight 
we've come, Lord God, to submit under your authority. And we want the power of the Lord to reign in this place tonight. We want the power of the Lord to be mighty among us tonight, Lord God. We want our spirit to be changed, Lord God. We want our hearts, almighty God, to be filled, Lord God. We want our minds to be on you, Lord God. And we want your will to be done. Equip us tonight, Lord. Empower us tonight, Lord God. Let your will be done in us tonight, almighty God. For we look to you, Lord, the author and the, 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 the author and finisher of our faith, the one, oh God, that is keeping us. We look to you, oh great God, to say, have your way. Will you speak to us? We open our heart to you tonight, Lord, that you may give us whatever you please, that you will impart to us whatever you desire. We open up our heart, Lord God, and we say, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, Lord God. And I pray tonight, Lord, Lord, that you'll anoint me and use me to be your instrument and use me to be your oracle, your conduit. And, oh, God, impart to us all that you desire, Father. We want to leave this place, Lord, with something from heaven that we did not have when we came in. We want to leave this place, Lord God, more encouraged, Lord God, and empowered, almighty God, with a vision, Lord God, that is fixed on the will of God. Have your way in us tonight, Lord. Reign in this place tonight, Lord. Lead us, almighty God, in the ways that you will have us to go. Bless this church tonight as we give you the praise, as we honor you, and bless your name. You're good to us, Lord. Your mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise and let's thank him tonight. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we praise you and magnify your name, oh great God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, let's, for the last time in our lesson, this is our final lesson on strategic evangelism made practical. And so we need to read the scripture that we've been reading, which is in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13, and it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Isn't that something? It says you are the light of the world. 
right? And because you are the light of the world, you ought to give light. Hmm. We ought to be light and give light. Amen. Well, we've gone through all the teaching of talking about what salt do, that salt must be in close proximity to affect whatever it's trying to affect. And we said light must not be hidden and light must shine so people can see where there's darkness. This is why as Christians, when we show up, people should never be discouraged and feel bad when you show up as a Christian. When you show up as a Christian, it's supposed to change the atmosphere. People are supposed to feel better about whatever they were not feeling good about. When you show up, the atmosphere needs to be different than what it was before you show up. Because light gives knowledge and understanding Light gives you pathway, the, the direction, make you see where you can go. And so sometimes people have questions. They want, an, they want answers. They don't know what they ought to do. They don't know where they need to go. They don't know where they ought, what they ought to do because they need knowledge. And light represents knowledge. They don't know where to go. Because they're in darkness and we are supposed to be light. So when we show up, they're supposed to know where to go. When we show up, they're supposed to have understanding. When we show up, the atmosphere needs to be different. That's what a Christian should do when they show up in various different places. And so we are salt and we are light. So last week we left off on let me see here we left off okay on this particular subject good friendship are usually intentional rather than accidental good friendship are usually intentional Rather than accidental. If you don't have a lot of friends, you haven't been making any friends. And you can't say it's anybody's fault because we said having good friendship, it has to be intentional. Let me say this. Take my time and just talk to me for a minute. Love flows down. All right. Never forget that. What do you mean by that, preacher? We love him because he first loved us. So God is love. So we learn about love after we learn about God. Yes. So clearly we see where love started and then it came down to us. That leaves us, Brother D, in a position where. If the rest of the world don't know how to love, we should love. 
because love flows down. We're doing what we're supposed to. They're not doing what they don't know how to do. So love is supposed to always flow down. So it is our responsibility to make friendship so we can't make excuses why we're not making friendships is what I'm saying. Because the people don't really know and understand what it is to have relationship. What do they know? They know relationship means I'm in a relationship to get something out of it that I want. That's what the world look at relationships for. They are in relationships because they want something out the deal. Now, I'm not telling you it somewhat don't work that way as Christians. But when we are starting to live for God and and live right, we ought to love people, not because of what they can do, because that's not really love, but love people just because. And so if we love people just because, then we will intentionally make friendships. We don't have a choice. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this, Josiah. We don't owe nobody anything except to love them. So if you want to find out if you if you are good stewards, get on my mom case because she like to say, I don't owe nobody. All my bills are paid. I know I don't have much, but I don't owe nobody. So for all of you who don't owe anybody, understand this. You owe somebody. You owe everybody love. So good for you, you don't owe nobody. But for every single human being you come in contact with, you owe them love. And so good friendships are not accidental. They are intentional. Developing friendship with unbelievers often requires going the second mile, taking some risks. And moving outside your own comfort zone. Brother Bradley mentioned something to me. (laughs) I love this. Mentioned something to me last week after service. He said, Pastor, now I know what you said and I know what the Bible said. But you know there are some places and some churches that don't believe you should make friends with the world. Because the Bible says you should not be a friend of the world. Thank you, Brother Bradley. I'm glad you brought it up because maybe some of you were thinking it. But you never came to me and said anything to me about it. So thank you, Brother Bradley. So here's the story. When the Bible tells you not to be a friend of the world, it's telling you not to be a friend of the system and how the world is conducted. Okay? But if God is telling us to love people, how are we going to justify, I love them, but I won't be around them? I love them, but, you know, I, I don't mess with them. That's not what God intends. And so there are churches that, you know, we don't mess with the world. I'm not going to be friends with the world. But if we go back and look at Jesus, how he lived his life. He make us look bad if we really want to be frank. Because he spent a whole lot of time around people that were unsaved. To the point where he got criticized for it. Man, why is he eating with sinners? And so that's where we get our cue from of making friends. We're not saying make them your best friend. But what we're saying is if you're going to reach the world, you're going to have to be friendly to them. You can't reach the world by being mean or stay to yourself. I told Brother Bradley, because you know I got to slip stuff stuff in sometimes. I said, Brother Bradley, 
whoever those churches were that got issues with what I'm saying about being friends with people so you can reach them, I guarantee that church not growing. <laughs> I guarantee that church stay the same size until the leader get old and then the church just get old. He's smiling. <laughs> I said, I know. Because, 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 because it's ridiculous. You don't want to be friends. I'm not talking to they from the world. Okay, so who is going to reach them? Who is going to reach them? And you keep doing that, and guess what? You're going to die on the vine as a Christian. Because all of us need encouragement. Where am I going to go tonight? This is interesting. If you raise children and you maintain a good relationship with them, don't they become almost like a caretaker at some point after a while for you? Huh? So think about that for a moment. You raise children. You get older. They're growing up. And after a while, they start looking out for you because they're a little bit sharper, crisper, on it a little bit more. And that works for us. Just as in the natural, it is in the spiritual. And we don't even understand certain things. You reach lost people and help them to know Christ and lead them to salvation and disciple them. And believe me when I tell you, when your situation is bleak and you are going through because you've been around a long time. When you are down and discouraged because you've been around a long time, those same people you were able to reach and equip and help to know Jesus will be an encouragement and a help to you. I don't know why the Lord showed me that years ago. But if we don't reach other people, we're going to die miserable because nobody's going to be around us. Nobody will have a desire to be around you because what did you do for them? People come and be around people who they feel like did something for them. But if you never do anything for anybody, and because the law, the law of reciprocity have to work, so even for the ungrateful ones that you took care of that never came back and did anything for you, God will send somebody because you got to reap what you sow. And with our busy lifestyle, these kinds of relationships take planning. So making friends with people that are unsaved, it takes planning. If you don't plan to cultivate friendships with unbelievers, you will find that you never have the time to do so. We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. So we need to make sure we're making plans with people to connect with them. Hey. What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Connect with them. Now, let me say this, Joe. I might not need to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. I don't want you making a friend so much. You know, when you tell them, meet, meet, meet me at so-and-so. I know you're meeting in a neutral place, but be careful with meeting with the opposite sex. Y'all hear me? Be careful meeting by yourself with the opposite sex. Tell some dude to meet up with you if you're a dude. Tell a girl to meet up with you if you're a girl. 
be careful with that stuff. I don't want you to say, Pastor said we need to reach the world and make friends with them first, and that's how we're going to reach them. And then you sitting down at dinner, at a nice romantic dinner, and, and you know, y'all googly eyes, and ain't nothing going on with Jesus. So don't, don't get me in trouble now. Don't get me in trouble. Please. <laughs> how do we become friendly? with people of the world so we can help them know Jesus. Well, here's what we got to do. We got to become aware. We're too locked up in our own world. Christians are not good at that. We're so locked in our own world, we can't see anything outside of our own world. All we know is we focus on our Christian disciplines and we make sure we come to church and we read our Bible and we pray and we can't see nothing else. We go to our jobs and whatever else we got to do you know, you know, in our personal life we do, but we just, we can't do that. Jesus, I don't know, here's one. Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. Think about that. You know what that means? He was aware of his surroundings. As Christians, we have to be aware of our surroundings, okay? So the first thing we need to start out to do to become really attentive in making friends with the unsaved is to make a list of people you know by name. I said this before to our leadership. Make a list of names. Make a list of names of people you need, you know. Realize that they are your responsibility. Listen, God didn't save you and not the other person that you know that was friends with you just because. When God saved you and he didn't save your girlfriend, when God saved you and he didn't save your boy, when God saved you and he didn't save that other relative, he saved you because he felt like, not because he felt like, he saved you because he knows that you would have the ability to be able to minister to everyone else around you. Don't you be intimidated because if God saved you, he saved you so you can minister to other unsaved people and be effective. So it is your responsibility to make a list of those names of people around you that are not Christians. Assess each person's level of spiritual receptivity. Discover what their interests and needs are. Look for areas of common ground that you can build on. Figure out what kind of testimony each would respond to. Those are some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff right there. My goodness. So in order to build some kind of relationship, some kind of friendship with the unsaved that you know about, you have to make a list of their names and you have to begin to pray for them. Okay? Then you have to Come to a place where you uh, assess their level of spiritual receptivity. There are people that they don't want to hear nothing about God. So you got to now know that and say, this one is going to be a tough one. They don't want to know nothing about God. But you got to assess that. Discover what their interests and needs are. Okay? Because that's a good way of slipping in. Once you know what their interests and needs are. Again, remember I told you the other day, if you know somebody's of a different culture from you, find out a little bit more about their culture and do something nice within their culture. Because now they know you are interested in them. 
Brother Izzy, when we're trying to get us a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we do that very well. Brother Izzy, when we see somebody we're interested in and we want to be with that person, oh, we know how to pay attention to see what they're interested in. And then we start figuring out how I'm going to come at them now that I know what they like. And then we do something that they like, and then we say, then they say, how did you know? Because I'm paying attention. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. They're all surprised when you do that nice thing that they like. How did you know? Because I'm paying attention. I put my wife on the spot. Can't help it. Pulpit, make it tell the truth. I keep telling you all that. You want to preach? Come preach. Make it, make it tell the truth. When the last time you got me some flowers? Yeah, I know you don't know because I'm putting you on the spot. When we were dating, she sent flowers to my job. Just saying. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. There ain't no excuse here. Ain't no excuse here. I just made my point in church that we know how to get at people when we're trying to get at them. You send flowers. All right. We were dating, but the point still, we, so tell me now what you're saying. Yeah, that was early in the marriage. Whichever way you want, I'm going to spin it with you. Early in the marriage. Okay. All right. We wasn't dating. We was married. I'm sorry. Let me get that on record. We weren't dating. We were married, but that was early in the marriage and you sent flowers. All right. The second thing you want to do is to commit to prayer. Commit to prayer on that list. That list you made, commit to prayer. Use your impact list, which is the list you made of the names of people that you're, you, you, you come in contact with all the time and you're praying for them. Use your impact list to pray daily for them to be saved. Pray that God will draw them to himself. If I be lifted up, I will draw men. Pray that God will remove their spiritual blindness. Pray that God will make their heart receptive. Pray that you will get the opportunity to share a clear witness with them. Pray that God will give you wisdom in what to say. Pray that God will use the words you say to move their hearts. That's the next thing that we have to do. Because we're trying to make friends with people that are not saved. Step three, you got to show that you care. Treat everyone with respect as people, not as prospects. Christians, that's big. Don't see people as prospects. See people as creation of God. I pray this prayer a lot. Lord, allow me to see them the way you want me to see them. Because it's easy for us to pick up on people's flaws. It's easy for us to see the negative behavior in someone. It's easy for us to say, mm, I just don't like how she look. I don't like how he look. But if we pray in the morning and say, God, before I go out this house, make sure everybody that I see, I see them the way you want me to see them and not the way my flesh will cause me to see them. Mm -hmm. 
So treat everyone with respect as people and not as prospects. Be a genuine friend. Help them in practical ways. Be a good listener. It is a great way to show love in being a good listener. If you listen to talk, you're not a good listener. Make service your aim, not your recruitment. Make service your aim, not recruitment. Do you, does that make sense? Because you can, you, you, can, you can do stuff for people, but on your mind, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to save them. That's the only reason why I'm doing this. And because you're thinking like that, sooner or later, that is manifesting. And they get to realize, yeah, you're just doing this because you want me to come to church. Invite them into your home. Cautiously focus your concern on meeting their need. Go out of your way to love them until they ask you why. Why do you care so much? You're going to get that question if you do the things that we're talking about. Why do you care so much? What's your answer? Anybody got an answer for me? When somebody asks you, why do you care so much? Why are you going out your way to help me out? Why are you being so nice to me? What are you going to tell him, Sister Gabby? You don't know? Anybody else with an answer? Sister Sister Jackson? Okay. Well, why you love me? Yeah, I don't know about that because ain't nobody ever loved me like that for no reason. Everybody that loved me loved me for something. I'll give you a good answer. Here's a good answer. That's the time you can drop your testimony. You know why? Because I didn't always know who Jesus was. I didn't feel loved. Nobody paid me any attention. And you know, all of a sudden, this person came in my life. And they started showing me love. They started respecting me. They invited me to a Bible study and I started learning about God. They never left my side. They were always there for me. And because someone did that for me, I feel like I need to do that for you. That's what you want to tell them. Somebody did it for you. So you want to do the same for them. Can't beat that. That's the time you share your testimony. When they say, why, why? Why are you being so nice to me? Why are you doing all of this? Somebody helped me out and made my life a whole lot better than what it was back then. So I want to help you to make your life a whole lot better than it is now. Be ready to share. Identify yourself as positive, joyful, follower of Christ. Share a testimony when the occasion naturally arises. See, there you go. Never force the good news. Be patient for God is working. Use crisis situation to show why we all need God. Brother Isaiah said this to me, I don't know, maybe a year ago or some months ago. And I had people that have said this to me, Brother Paul, a few people, because I've always said this, Brother D. You don't have to be around somebody every day to prove you love them. 
but be around them at the most crucial time in their life and they will know that you love them. Just be there the most crucial time. You don't have to be there every day. That's something that you want to live by as a Christian because we're divided in many ways. We have a lot going on, but we must do the work of God by reaching the lost. And one of the best ways to do that is make sure we are there for those that we love at the time that they need you the most. You don't have to be, you don't have to call them every day. You don't have to text them every day. But when they are in that situation where they're in most need of you being by their side, that's when you need to show up and they will know. Ask questions that lead to spiritual discussions. Give them appropriate message tapes or books to read so sometimes spend some money buy them something nice that talks about god when you assess their spiritual level you will know what to buy them Uh uh-huh so buy them something sometimes concentrate on the essential don't get sidetracked by hang-ups can I say this real quick? This is for leadership. Let me let me talk to you, um, Brother Scarlett. You know, you, you will understand what I'm saying. Not that everybody is woke, but I know you know. <laughs> as Christians, and especially as leaders, we better learn to have disagreement with each other but never let it interfere with how we treat each other. As Christians, as leaders especially, we better learn how to disagree with one another, how to say, I don't agree with that, how to say, that wasn't a good thing, how to give constructive criticism and not treat the person any, uh, any different than how you're supposed to treat them. We're poor at that as Christians. We're poor at that as people. Because we like to tell people the way it is and then we walk away. And in our mind, you know, we feel like, you know, that makes us draw away. No, we need to be able to tell someone how much, you know, we disagree with something or give constructive criticism and be able to still treat them just like the next person we're in good stead with. We cannot allow ourselves to kind of, overlook people, kind of be disengaged because we see they have hang-ups. That's the most powerful thing probably I'm going to tell you tonight. I'm telling you a lot of good stuff tonight, but that's one of the most powerful things because what happens a lot of times is that I've learned in my life that God will allow us to be around difficult people so we can learn how to handle difficult people. And we just lock down. When we start dealing with difficult people, oh, I, I, I just can't. They're just so, I, I can't. Okay. You never stop to think that God made them be in your life so you can be, you can begin to work on some of your weaknesses. Because we can't shut down every time somebody, you know, disagree with us or somebody did something that we don't like. We can't just shut down. And we can't be respecter of persons when someone show their hang-up, and we're like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, can't do it. 
I think that's one of the most powerful things you can do as a Christian and as a leader, that no matter what people hang up are, no matter what they say to you, no matter how they treat you or what you had to say to them that might have hurt their feelings, that you can do all of that and still treat them righteously and kind and loving, even all of that. I know that's easier said than done, but it is a major thing that we better work on as Christians because we hinder the work of God from going forward when we can't do that. You don't want me to go no deeper than that because I can go real deep. But I'm telling you, we better learn how to be able to disagree. I I said that on a district level. For years, I said, listen, if we're smart, we should understand this. If you're my friend, I should know your strengths and weaknesses. If you're my friend. And if you come to me and tell me, so you think um, if I run for superintendent, you're going to vote for me? And me as a friend, that ain't no good, thinking I'm being a good friend. Yeah, yeah, I'll vote for you. You should be good. Not good. Not right. All because we're afraid to tell people the truth and afraid to be opposed to what they're saying. No, just tell them, listen, I love you, but that's not the position you want to be in. You want to be in a different position. I think you'll be good at this because I see this in you. But that, nah, I don't see that in you. And I said that for many years in our district. I said, why I got to vote for you because I'm close to you for a position. Ridiculous. And we do that within our movement. And God, that's a sin because God said, be not respect of persons. Sin don't always come the way we think it's supposed to come. So we cannot be just vote for people because we like them. Or we friends with them. We, we, we got to be truthful to ourselves. This is why we pray about it. Probably the better answer would be I prayed and God said, this is who I should vote for. So, no, nah, I can't vote for you. <laughs> they won't get their feelings hurt and might, you know, draw back. But you just got to be a Christian and draw closer. All right, let me move on. Let's talk about that we as as witnesses for Christ, we are fishing and not hunting. Jesus in Matthew four nineteen, Living Bible, Jesus called out, Come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. Jesus called us to be fishers of men, not to be hunters of men. What's the difference between fishing and hunting? Hunting is aggressive. Fishing is gentle. Hunting is based on confrontation. Fishing is is based on attraction. This is why it's so hard for us to. Oh, God. Oh, man. Hunting, go out there and shoot them. Fishing, get them to nibble on the bait. Hunting, use one-size-fits-all bullets. Fishing allows you to try different lures, different baits. Hunting, Take your best shot. It's over. Fishing. 
requires give and take to reel that fish in. Hunting scares animals away if you miss. Fishing, you get more than one chance. Hunting, the animal has no choice. Fishing, the fish get a choice. Hunting must be a skill shot. Fishing, anyone can put bait on a hook and in water. There's a difference. And some Christians hunt as opposed to fish. God called us to be fishers of men, not hunters of men. Hunting is lazy. Fishing is spiritual. I know people feel like hunting is not lazy. Get your shotgun, put on your hunting gear, you go up in the tree, whatever. You say, I got up early, whatever. Hunting, it, it, it just, it doesn't take a whole lot of patience. It doesn't take a whole lot of sensitivity. It's just, you just do your thing. And you don't care what the turnout is. You shoot after the, 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 the deer and you miss the deer gone and he may never come back. What are you going to do? But fishing, if that bait is not working, you try a different one. You take your time. The fish will come back because the fish come back by choice and to nibble on what he likes. Three keys to spiritual fishing. Identify your fishing pond. Learn about the kind of fish in your pond. Remember, fish get hungry at different times. So those are three keys to spiritual fishing. Identify your fishing pond. Where are you going to fish at? Learn about the kind of fish in your pond. What kind of fish are you trying to catch? What are they like? You're supposed to be trying to catch all the fish, but you got to learn about them. Remember, fish gets hungry at different times. Okay, so check this out. Your fishing pond. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Sister Patrice, I didn't give you this. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. We're talking about our fishing pond. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Your fishing pond. So look at your fishing pond. Your fishing pond, you shall be witnesses unto me. Where? Your first fishing pond, Jerusalem. Your second fishing pond, Judea. Your third fishing pond, Samaria. Your, what's that fourth? Fourth fishing pond or fifth? So let me break it down for you. Your church and self. I'm going to give you your fishing pond when you do it through the church and your fishing pond when you do it yourself. Jerusalem, for us, is wherever 
the church is for the church. So Jerusalem, for Christ-centered church, is Hamilton, New Jersey. That's Jerusalem. <laughs> I was on the phone with um, our neighbors, our new neighbors, and they were like, I love that. CCC, Christ-centered church. <laughs> oh, those guys were so funny. I love it. The three C's. Mm-hmm. So the fishing pond for the church is Hamilton, New Jersey. The fishing pond for yourself is your family. So Jerusalem is Hamilton for this church. Jerusalem is family for you personally. Judea, Mercer County for the church. For you personally, other relatives. Samaria, the northeast region for the church. Your friends, personally. The world for the church, the United States and the world. For us, personally, acquaintances. Acquaintances. And so we must identify. We must learn about the kind of fish that are in our pond. And we must remember that fish gets hungry at different times. When you witness to people, I'm almost there, you can't speak Christian jargon. This is one of the reasons that for years, another one of my pet peeves, I've been trying to tell some of us Christian people that was okay to call each other by their first name. But we were so hung up and locked in on wanting to have the title attached to the name. And for me, who were always thinking about witness, I always thought, mm-mm, not a good look. Because when we get around people, we seem strange talking about Brother Tom. I know you're my brother. But if I call him Tom, people understand, you know, what's going on is normal. Brother Tom, we bring separation in there. He your brother? I'm not your brother. You see what I'm saying? So by you calling someone your sister or calling someone your brother, it means the person that's not saved, you're saying, you're not my brother. You're not my sister. So we're going to be effective witness. It's good to call each other by our first name instead of wanting to put some title on it. So it's important to know when you're witnessing, you have to be sure you're not using Christian jargon or biblical words that people just cannot understand. So here are some Christian Christian words that we need to think about and see how we can use them. I'm blessed and highly favored. Now, bless, the meaning of being blessed in the Bible is just Happy. Do you know that? So 
Instead of just saying, I'm blessed and highly favored, you can just say, and again, it all depends on the situation. You have to assess your situation to see who you're talking to. Are they receptive? Are they spiritual? Or they're just, oh, downright, whatever. You, you just got to know who you're talking to. So for some people you're talking to, bless is cool. But for others, they don't want to hear no blessed stuff. So, you know, when you're talking to them, you might just say, I'm just happy. You know what you're saying. I'm blessed. For another I was born again, I was saved. You can say, I was given a fresh new start. My life changed at that moment. If you're going to be an effective witness, you got to know how to communicate clear to people and not have them trying to figure out what you're saying because you're using all these biblical words. You know, one of the most interesting things that I've seen over the years, you could be the smartest person in the world. You could have the as many degrees as you want to have. You put the King James Bible in front of someone and tell them read, they might feel stupid. I've seen it many times. Really smart people put the King James Bible in front of them and they start getting tripped up. That tells you we probably don't need to be using these words in King James when we're trying our best to reach people that don't, they're far away from Jesus. We need to just use practical normal language because if we use those big words in the bible they're going to be lost they can't follow your conversation and god understands exactly what um you're saying when you say i'm just happy when you're just saying i'm blessed jesus is my lord how about you say jesus is the manager or the ceo of my life i put my trust in him I repented. Well, I can say I changed my way of thinking. Uh huh. I had sinned or all are sinners. That's Bible words. You can say I knew I had blown it. I messed up. Nobody's perfect. I knew I'd messed up. No one bats a thousand. I felt convicted the Holy Ghost of the, I felt convicted or uh, you're trying to address the Holy Ghost. And and this is something I've always um, said. Christians that are Christians, they like to say the Holy Ghost. Some people say Holy Spirit, and I'm always careful when you start saying Holy Spirit. I said either you'd be an intellectual or you, you might need a little bit more meat because Holy Ghost the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost quite a bit in the Bible and there's no need for us to circumvent Holy Ghost and the most important part of the Bible when we talk about Acts 2.38 to be born again to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ it says and ye shall receive the gift of the what it didn't say Holy Spirit that's Acts 2.38 so that's important so we know Holy Ghost is a strong way of saying, you know, the spirit of God. But you can go ahead and call it God's spirit. It was glorious. It was an incredible experience. And when you go to work on Monday and you're all happy and somebody want to know, man, what's going on with you? Oh, we had a real incredible experience in our church service this past Sunday. That sounds normal, right? All right. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I am really thankful to God. Living for God is exciting. When you're trying to be a witness to people, you have to speak so they can understand. Not compromise because you're not saying anything different than what the word means. All right. I'm finishing here. Relational evangelism. Relational evangelism. All evangelism are relational. (laughs) Let me say this. Evangelism is relational. Some of you might want to close your ears on this one. If you struggle with relationships, you're going to struggle with evangelism. If you struggle with relationships, you're going to struggle with evangelism. Mm-hmm. Use my last born. My last born don't struggle with relationships. <laughs> His first day going to school, he was witnessing because he don't struggle with relationships. In kindergarten and in first grade, he used to hold court. The teachers want to listen to Jordan while he was in school because his conversation had them captivated. Never had a problem being friendly. That just means, Jordan, boy, you need to be a strong witness for Christ. But if we struggle with relationships, we're going to struggle with being effective in evangelism. And so, remember, begin to pray for the people on your impact list. Ask God to work in their lives to give you wisdom on how to effectively reach out to them in praying for them. Keep in mind the following three things when you're doing everything that you can to reach out to people. Three things. Them, you, and us. Them, you, and and us. What do you mean by them, preacher? Ask God to pull them toward him. Ask God to open their eyes to the emptiness of life without him. Ask God to help them see their need for forgiveness. Ask God to remove the confusion they have about him and the life he offers. Ask God to help them grasp the meaning and importance of the cross of Christ. Ask God to open that person's heart to receive his love and his truth. Them, you, and us. Let's look at you. Ask God to help you live a consistent and attractive Christian life. I can't say that enough, church. How attractive do we let our Christian life look? If we don't make this Christian life look attractive, who wants to be a Christian when they see you? That person's so mean. And they go to church, too. They're quick to say that. (laughs) That person's so mean, and they go to church. Oh, my goodness. And I heard them cuss the other day, too. And they call themselves Christians. Oh, they waiting for that. So I'm just saying, we need to make sure 
we make our Christian life attractive. Ask God to make you authentic and honest as you deal with life's ups and downs. Ask God to make you authentic and honest as you deal with life's ups and downs. I'm not telling you to be smiling every day like ain't no problem. Be authentic. Rough week. Had some really bad situations. But, you know, God has kept me. I'll keep on pushing. And I know so it's going to be all right. Ask God to give you wisdom in knowing how to approach the relationship. Ask God to expand your knowledge so you will be ready to define and defend the gospel message. Ask God to grant you appropriate boldness and courage. That's a big one. I pray that one all the time. Ask God to use you to help lead this person into a relationship with him. That's your prayer. Them, you, and now us. Ask God to cause depth and trust to grow in the relationship between you and them. Ask God to open doors for spiritual conversations between you and them. Ask God to guide those conversations in peace, frequency, and content. That's what you pray and ask God for you and them. Any questions about strategic evangelism made practical? I think we have covered a lot of practicality in how we can be witnesses. Is there anyone with any questions concerning evangelism, being a witness? Brother is. You can't do the same. You can't witness to people, everybody the same way. Somebody paid me a big compliment one time. They didn't know they was paying me a compliment. Um, But I smirked. I was like, come on, Jesus. And what they told me was because they went out to knock doors with me. And they said, Wayne, every door you knocked on, you had something different to say. You didn't have just a spiel for everybody. How, How do you do that? And what I shared with them was, Every home that I approach has its own identity. And I pick up on what, do they have a welcome mat? (laughs) Y'all want me to give y'all some of my secrets? Do they have a welcome mat? Do they have anything hanging on the door? When I looked in the garbage cans, were there beer bottles? Is there cigarette butts? You know, I look around. By the time I knock that door, I assessed a lot of things. So when they come to the door, according to what I assess is how I speak. So that person was like, how do you do that? And so I said, all right, watch this. And then I'll walk in and then I say, I see um, bear bottles. So I said, all right, watch this. And the person came. They had a flag outside of a team. I said, so you're a Chicago Bear fan, huh? The person was smiling because I didn't put two and two together. Flag, bear bottles. Hey, you're a fan. And I talk a little bit of sports. Remember how Jesus witnessed the lady at the well. He did not start 
with Bible words. He start with things they had in common. Jesus said he was thirsty and she was at the well. He wasn't talking about no spiritual things at that point. At that point, he wanted her to understand he was thirsty. He needed something to drink and she was getting ready to get some water out of the well. Let's talk about something we have in common. That's where you start every time when you witness the people. Get something in common. Don't just jump out the gate and start to talk Christian stuff. One size doesn't fit all, Izzy. Right? You're 100% right about that. Any other questions? Okay. Let me get you one more. Get, get your other um, question there, Izzy. That's the next step. So going up to the house, I assess the house. When I go up to people, I assess them. So it gives you something to begin to talk about. Sister Jackson. You keep, you keep using the first name. Again, if they if they get offended, you just deal with deal with that later on. Just say, just what I just told you, sis. If we're gonna reach the loss, that sister stuff to them it doesn't mean anything to them. We have to use our names. It's just that simple. We just have to use our names. Yeah, they they they, they they're not into all of that stuff. And again, like I said, um, you know, always stay away from things that separates. When you're witnessing the people, stay away from things that separates. And people will try to get you down that road sometimes. So you have to be very, very, you have to be filled with wisdom because people try. So what you trying to say? Because you go to church, you better than me. What you trying to say? Because you wear skirts, you better than me. What you trying to say? Because you cuss, you better than me. What you trying to say? Because you drink, you better than me. You don't drink, you better than me. People will try to get you to divide. And you have to have wisdom so they don't divide. So you should never do anything that will bring about divide. You should never get to the place where you make people feel like you're trying to tell them that you're better than them. That's not good witnessing. Any uh, other questions? Any thoughts? Sister Gabby, you don't have any questions or thoughts? You know, you always witnessing. So, and you're supposed to be witnessing this Saturday. Don't get me. Do you need any help? Even if Sherman, hey, even if Sherman ain't looking, I'm looking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand since y'all don't have any more questions.
Did y'all learn anything? Did, 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 did y'all get something? I know Brother D got some. His book is all written up, so I know he got some. If y'all want any stuff that, whatever you miss, see Brother D. <laughs> Brother, Brother, Brother D book is bigger than Brother Tom's and Brother Jackson's. <laughs> Where's your book, Brother Tom? Let me see. Yeah, Brother D book a little bigger than yours, isn't it? Or is it the same? You're right. Because <laughs> this, he got his book too. Okay. You see, y'all see that? All men with their books. Yours smaller. Got mm. you right, small? All right. All right, so we, we, we like four to one right now. I'm just saying. The men had their books. Uh-huh. Remember, I told you all, Bible study not only helps the teacher, not only helps the student, but it helps the teacher. Teacher have to study to be able to teach. So the teacher is learning while the teacher is teaching. Very, very important to understand that. A lot of us try to shy away sometimes from teaching others because we think, ah, you know, I'm, I don't know as much. But trust me, if you study to teach, you will learn, and the people who you're teaching, they will learn. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and for allowing us the privilege to come together one more time. Lord, every word that has been spoken here tonight, if it be your will, let it go into our heart and take root, Lord God. Let it grow and produce good fruit. For Lord Jesus, we're not just trying to get to heaven. We're not just trying to experience eternal life. But, Lord, you died on Calvary that all would be saved and that none would perish. We know your heartbeat, Lord God, is to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we know it is your desire for all to be saved. And, Lord, we want to work in harmony with you to reach our lost world, to reach our lost community, to reach our lost relative and friends and family members, Lord. Will you, Lord God, allow the teachings and the instructions in the word of God on how to reach the lost, will you let it permeate in our heart and help us, Lord God, to be courageous, to be bold, to go forward, Lord, and to do all that you would have us to do. I pray, Father, that the strength of this church will be, O oh God, our relationship with you, will be prayer and evangelism and relationships, Lord God. Oh, Father, help this church, Lord God, to truly, Lord God, be focused on the kingdom and not just what we can get out of living for you. I pray for your provision, Lord God. I pray for your strength, Almighty God. And I pray, Lord, that somebody will hear and begin to become a doer of what they're hearing. Become a doer of what is being instructed to them, Lord God. Have your way, oh my God, and let your will be done. We thank and praise you tonight. We give you the honor and we give you the praise. For all these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Give something to the building fund before you go. In Jesus' name.